the uppermost wastelands of Suprega, the meteor has recently shot out of a sinkhole into the atmosphere of the planet. Shortly thereafter, the sinkhole began to solidify into ground suitable for cultivation and construction. Foremost expert in sinkholes, Professor Blossomblock, is assembling a spelunking team to venture into some of the remaining sinkholes to further explore the phenomena of these reverse meteor events and what might be triggering them. Hey, and what's up? Welcome to Questopedia, a character and world building podcast. In this world, meteors can shoot into space from the Earth instead of the other way around. I'm Brian Perry. I'm Houston Bobley. And I am Jake Bush. Awesome. Uh, Houston is our quest giver today, and uh, we've got we've got a wild one, it looks like. We sure do. Just introduced a new concept for you guys. And reverse meteors. A world building prompt. Yeah, reverse meteors. And you'd think, huh, world building prompt probably focus on reverse meteors. Nah, we'll leave that for the meat of the episode. We're, we're not going to uh, explain the reverse meteors? <laughs> nope. Well, I mean, that's part of the adventure, figuring out... Maybe accidentally we will, yeah. Why are there meteors shooting from the ground into space? And why are they called meteors and not just rocks? That is also true. In my mind, everyone looked at it as, oh, it looks like the same effect a meteor would have if you rewound... The video okay. footage of it oh um, okay that makes more sense yeah. so like it exploded out of it like not like pew just like rock it's like these sinkholes the were a cannon and it just shot the meteor back into space got it so one meteor several meters one meteor one meteor one okay. of these sinkholes and then immediately after the sinkhole solidified and it became fertile ground that people could grow plants on could create a foundation for building a home whatever you wanted. Which this is famously not what Suprega is really all about, right? Suprega, we kind of established of all the different terrains that there are, the terrain that Suprega is best described as is difficult terrain. Exactly. Uh, it's like, this is this is new territory. Exactly. That's why a Literally. lot of people want to explore what is causing this and how it can be utilized in the future. But before we get that, let me hit you up with our world building prompt. Very much inspired by the Dungeons and Dragons movie that came out last week to kind of date this recording. A, a very important part of D&D, maybe not important part, but iconic part of D&D and in the movie is the Underdark, which is the mysterious, foreboding, dangerous underworld below the surface. And since we are creating a spelunking team and going into these sinkholes that may or may not end up in the equivalent of an underdark, uh, does this world have an underdark? Hopefully so, or else we wouldn't be going anywhere. <laughs> yeah. But mostly I just want to pose this question to you. What is the underdark of this world like? What is it even called? Do they call it the underdark? Yeah. So I, I think we, we have some precedent already, right? I think Dark City is kind of underdark-like, right? It's a little different because it has access to the ocean as well. It's like in a yeah, but, it's like uh, a, but like I think we have like, like sort of a pattern. Yeah, I guess a cave's different. How is a cave different than the Underdark? The Underdark is kind of just an underground cave system, right? With big cities and stuff. Yeah, like, kind of more mythical. A little, let, let me read the definition of Underdark. The Underdark was the vast network of underground caverns and tunnels underneath the surface of Abiyar Turil. It was home to a host of evil beings driven deep into the caverns at the end of the Age of Demons. Absence of light results in darkness. 
so yeah it, so it's it's deep and dark enough to to cause actual like changes in the people that live kind of the idea right like, uh i don't know if you guys have seen the movie yet but there's kind of a few different aspects of it there's kind of like the more tunnely version which is like there's glow worms in it and it's kind of ethereal yeah. there's the glowy fungus type stuff yeah yeah there's the more like it is next to an active volcano there's this giant underground dwarf city essentially that used to be there it's known for having uh dark creatures like drows or deep gnomes stuff like that Dwergar. so it, it really is its own society or biome that is created as a result of being absent of light and having to adapt to that and not just in a cave where you can go out into the light as needed so to clarify when you say absent an absence of light are you saying there's there is no light in there or they have to have a means of artificial light to be able to see absence of sunlight so maybe it is completely dark and that is something we have to address i mean but but any race that develops down there they have dark vision right so they're able to like live and there are usually some you know it's phosphorescent a word yeah like phosphorescent like uh or bioluminescent like mushrooms it's like there usually is some kind of light but it's low light and it's not sunlight i think is the yeah the uh, defining feature. a lot of them even have i think we're agreed there has to be a an underdark right right i think the question is what's gonna make our underdark different than the D D underdark is it an underbright that was my first line of thinking it is a it is a place where there's no such thing as darkness how does that work it's Hold like on. reverse it's basically Things generate by default. Well, no, 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 no. Ah, yes, I am a bright dwarf. <laughs> I'm able to see up to 60 feet in the light. Here's the thought. It's essentially like just reverse reality. Like instead of like you need light to, you know, photons to be able to see things in the darkness, you have like dark photons that allow you to see in the lightness. <laughs> I, uh, this is breaking my brain yeah, a little too. bit. me too. I'm way too tired to can go I take, this deep. Can I take a step back here? One thing I do want to establish because I need it for my character, and this is sort of a preview of my character. There is also whatever we establish here, there is also an under underdark that is even deeper than what we are talking about right now. Okay. Oh, okay? double underdark. The double underdark. Yeah, I've heard of that. Underdarker, if you No, same amount of dark, just more under. This is this is a thought that just came to my head, and, and let me know if this is anything. Uh, the thought popped in my head. What if underdark but fuzzier? <laughs> Oh, wait, hold on. Explain your you logic. breaking my brain even Fuzzy. more than trying to. What if everything was just kind of fuzzier? Maybe I'm picturing like mosses and various sort of things like that growing on everything. Okay. And it's just kind of soft and friendly is maybe what I'm going for. <laughs> like it's not spooky or creepy or or like shadowy. It's like dark. But what if it's cozy? Maybe cozy is the word. Can I hit you with an opposite yeah, okay, direction? Yeah, I get what you're saying. Can it be cozy? I, I feel like it's the same instinct as making it bright, but our heads couldn't fathom that. Right. Can I hit you with another direction? Maybe an opposite direction. Okay. What if... Up. Up. Yes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> this underdark is oh, above the ground. What if... <laughs> the overdark. That's what I call the surface. What if there is a ton of electrical currents going through it. Everything is like super stormy down there. Okay. And you call it the thunder dark. Oh. That's very <gasps> cool. Okay, you. I was I was almost on board, and then you yeah, said Thunderdark, and then I was wait, wait, I wait. was willing to, and, to and explore and figure out how this works. And outer space is called the Overdark. <laughs> oh, okay, because it's yeah, literally that's where the meteor the went. Darkness above us. Yeah, I mean it is the Overdark. Okay, they always refer to that as that. I will take this one step further. It is sometimes called the Underbright or referenced as the Underbright because there are a lot of lightning flashes, and so you are frequently yeah. blinded yeah i think it can be very bright it's very 
um random right it's very like unexpected you can't really plan around it so everyone has like sunglasses i feel like someone would invent something that's like you put these goggles on and like when it's dark it like helps you see a little bit better in the dark and then when it's bright yeah. it protects your eyes the thunder dark. thunder dark and except thunder is right. the sound is the only yeah problem. i know i know but it's Who, but i think eh. we can look past it eh. it's very echoey caves I, I think that's lighting. another element. You have to wear your sunglasses and you have to wear special earmuffs. So because you do have to block out the echoing thunder. Yeah, because thunder is... is just the sound of lightning. So there would be thunder. There. Yeah, you're right. Right. You're right. Um, it's not like there's a, a sound that is happening. Well, there can be thunder. Uh, without lightning, thunder right? It's it's the same event. Yeah, no, it's the same you event. Might, you might hear the thunder and not see the yeah. lightning because it's up in the clouds too deep. But yeah, if there it's thunder is the sound that lightning make or le electrical discharge. Okay, cool. I also like this idea in the sense of it with D&D subclasses, there's a lot where it's like there's the Tempest Cleric, there's the Storm Sorcery Sorcerer. I like this idea that there are some we might call more traditionalists who draw their energy from the overdark storms, if you will, or just like your yeah. regular surface level storm energy. And then there's those that go to the dark side and they're the Thunder Dark. Yeah storm energy and it's a lot of like ooh, that's that's like questionable questionably gray or considered yeah. dark magic and so that might be like the storm sorcerer equivalent of a warlock is they're all about like making okay. a patronage or uh, gaining power from the thunder dark demigods or something like that so i think this is a perfect opportunity there's something that we brought up in our early setup episodes that i don't know if we've addressed i don't think we have is the idea of core locks um, which are warlocks that worship the core of the yes. planet i think, I think you're it, right right i love this um yeah i like that a lot can i add one more like aesthetic note on the lightning uh, can it be in like veins in the stone rather than like crackling oh, in the air of in the tunnel you suggest you know that I mean? that's actually how i imagined it oh okay good um i think that's very cool oh what if they're mining what if there's like a certain like stone that is formed, like gems that form like, oh, some lightning just flashed through this area. We got to go and get in there and glass this stuff and it's out. a super rare resource because <laughs> lightning doesn't happen on the surface. And it's also a drug. Yeah. Wait, no, we can't. We can't introduce more drugs <laughs> like this fast. Like they har they harvest the glass that these sedimentary uh, rock deposits turn into and the lightning runs through them and then they take it to the surface and sell it to people as these rare things called windows this is very cool actually i, I actually uh there okay i think we have to establish there's no lightning yeah, on the surface we though. get snow and rain but that's it and no one has figured yeah. out and no one has figured out well maybe the process behind making glass so could could this meteor be because of an especially big um you know event like this is well i guess we'll have to see how well we roll to figure that out the okay. oh, let me put cool. it this way: the discovery is yet to be made, depending on how successful we are. Well, I have a, okay. I have I a theory it. about some things going on here. I don't know if I should voice it yet, though, based based on nothing other than the plot. I mean, a lot of this is I have ideas of where this discovery go, but I think it really does depend on how successful we are. Like, if we all roll yeah. super poorly, we discover nothing. We're just wandering around in the thunder dark, and it then maybe get electrocuted. Even us, the gods of this world. Even us, the gods of this world, will not know that thing we? about the world. Okay, this might be a prompt, a self-indulgent prompt later. Are we the gods okay. that are sitting on the moon above this planet? I, I think we have a life cycle of how, how those gods work, and I don't think it would work out that way. Um, I think what we would have to be is ancient gods, because I think I think we maybe established that people from the real world founded these planets oh, or something. Oh, 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 oh. 
These these are bonus episodes we'll release at some point. They're not relevant to today. I want you to just remember what you just said, Brian, yeah. because there's a high likelihood it could come up later. <laughs> um, okay, but cool. I think we should go ahead and get introducing our characters. Um, so I, I mentioned at the top of this episode, this quest is started by Professor Blossom Block, who is the foremost researcher on sinkholes. He's the one who discovered that they lead to the Thunderdark, and maybe sinkholes are not the only way to get to the Thunderdark. I imagine there's other places around the world that could do it. Um, but he's the first one who discovered that's where the sinkholes go. That's why they're dangerous, because they lead to yeah. particularly electrifying spots, maybe. And you said this is in the, the far up, right? This is not in the lower area where people are making the crossings. Correct. Cool. And I could see them being especially explosive and especially dangerous because there aren't people passing through and like harvesting moon dust right right we've talked about moon dust enhancing things like this so I like um that. but yeah a big part of this is uh, on the purely scientific side what is causing this what is the natural phenomena that might trigger this reverse meteor on the more capitalistic side how do we maybe trigger these these are people who are maybe taking advantage wanting to take advantage of the land say can we get these uh yeah. triggered uh, create some sort of catalyst to get this going so that this can be stabilized land for development so this is actually really interesting I, you may have been away from utah long enough to not really like be hearing about this conversation there's talk about utah lake being just like oh, drained and yeah i've been all um, over that conversation yeah. nice <laughs> there's also talk about yeah, that that's interesting happening uh, with the great so salt lake, that's what i made me think of. not intentionally unfortunately yeah <laughs> Yeah, hopefully, hopefully our one of them is so people can live there, anyway. and the other one is so people can die here. <laughs> <laughs> one of them is so that we can yeah. uh, stop being able to breathe. Anyway, yeah. Um. So Professor Blossom Block brings you all in, and I don't know. I, I guess I'll go first. Um. Since I am the quest okay. giver. Um. And he brings the three characters in and mentions. Okay. Well, here is our uh our guide. Oh, so your character is not Professor Blossom Block? It is Block? not Professor Blossom Block. Oh, okay, cool. He actually well, guess, has yeah, a very yeah. significant injury in the leg and cannot adventure. So that's why okay. he has hired a less scientific but uh, very proficient spelunker. And he, his name is Moon Jordan. Now, Moon Jordan is quite the character. Yeah. I have used him in a, a recent D&D campaign that I've yeah. uh, played with Brian. Um, a, a very different setting. A very I different should, setting. I mention. Um, and that was in yeah. space. As I've mentioned on previous episodes, a lot of my characters, actually most of them so far, are previous D and D characters I've made, and then I've adapted either personality wise or class wise or whatever to the setting we are in. Um, Moon Jordan is very famous, or rather infamous, for looking exactly like this world's greatest athlete. He is a con man. He is he is not particularly athletic. Uh, he is a glory paladin. Now, the thing about glory paladins or, or the oath of glory paladins is they have a way of manipulating their athleticism. Um, they become this great champion warrior, kind of like a champion fighter almost. Yeah. And the way I've explained it um, or the way I'm going to explain it for this is he is a uh unethical collector of moon dust um mm. and he has Ooh. learned how to use moon dust to manipulate gravity and this is why 
He, he can slam dunk from half court. He can slam dunk from half court. It's not his natural <laughs> ability. He just takes a little sniff, and now he can jump super high. And this is why he's pulled off a great con of getting people to pay him for autographs, because he looks very much like this world's greatest athlete, Air Jordan. But Moon Jordan has been going through stealing sneaker, st- sneaker sales and jersey sales and all these things. Um a lot of so his, why is he involved with this? Because he's on the run. People have finally caught okay. up to him. So he had to go far away off the grid. Hence, Suprega. Um, the like only that, person that's, who I feel like that still doesn't answer the question oh, though, ahead, of why is he doing this? Because if it's like, <laughs> hi, I'm a con man. I'm on the run. I have nowhere else to go. Great. Why don't you help us on this really risky and important mission? <laughs> <laughs> Let me explain. Professor Blossom Block okay. has. He he doesn't know sports. He has no knowledge of sports. So he has no idea of how Moon Jordan has been pulling off this great heist to pretend to be Air Jordan for so long. Uh, he ha- doesn't know he's a con man because obviously Moon Jordan's not going to go like, hey, I'm a con man. Can you hire me? He presented as, hey, I'm pretty athletic. I like to explore. Yeah, that's what you would say in spring. It makes that's sense. Yeah. what you'd say if you were conning. Him. I need a job. <laughs> and coincidentally, I'm looking for more moon dust, and Suprega is likely to have a bunch of moon dust. Uh, I may have an addiction. I'm not going to tell you that. But do you have a job that where you're the sinkhole expert? Can I just go spelunking? And so that's how he got hired as a spelunker, and why he is Professor Blossom Blocks' uh, lead spelunker. Okay, makes sense. I mentioned his class as a paladin. His race is an Earth Genasi. That makes Sweet. sense. Brian, do you want to go next? Yeah, I can go next. Um, so my character is also similar to an Earth Genasi. I have, uh, I warned you beforehand that I had sort of a gimmicky character, sort of a weird one. Um, he, I, I got really stuck on the idea of, it bugs me that Genasi are not elementals, right? Like, they're kind of the hybrid. They're not, right? They have, right, they're hybrids and they take on some, like, characteristics of that element, right? Right. But then I was like, I want to make a character who just is a straight up elemental. But then I like I was looking through the stat blocks of elementals and I was like, they're really dumb. Like they're not capable of like being a character. You know, they're basically just like just an element, right? They can kind of move around and attack or whatever. They're just monsters. So what I'm proposing is that um, there is there's something between an elemental and a genasi or maybe it's easier to say elementals in this world if they're awakened with moon dust can just be sort of awakened elementals that are smarter than just like monsters. Okay. Can we accept this? I'll allow it. Um, so he looks, he looks exactly just like an earth elemental and maybe, maybe there are also normal elementals in this world, but this elemental is from a society from the under, under dark, um, (laughs) the under thunder dark. And he's a, he's a prince. He was a, he's a prince in this world. But he's always been fascinated with the surface. It's it's another Little Mermaid story. <laughs> he is obsessed with the surface, but he's but instead of being from the water, he's from under the ground, and he's just a big rock monster. Picture like a stone talus from uh, Breath mm. of the Wild or whatever. And he's very fancy. He's got like sort of their gems just underneath the surface that have been sort of uh, hewn out and polished, and he looks very glamorous. Um, but he's just a big uh, rock monster. He like doesn't really even have a face. He's just like a big rock thing with arms and legs and like maybe if you look at it the right way he kind of has a face um so that's my character right. yeah there's not much more to him other than uh he doesn't speak usual he only speaks terran 
And so um, all all that this party has figured out to communicate with the, him is yes and no. And so uh, in, in communication, whatever his answer is, yes, you'll hear. <laughs> and whenever you hear no, you'll hear. <laughs> so he's basically just a thwomp from the Mario. Yeah, games. he's a he's a combination. I, I found the sound for Womp and the sound for Thwomp. I don't remember which one's which, but the one that sounded less negative is the positive <laughs> one. This means yes. <laughs> this means no. <laughs> Two for yes, one for no. Okay, so that's my character. He, there's not much to him. He's a, he's a, he's a fancy guy, um, and he hates his family. And uh, he's he just kind of sees this as a chance to get back at his family for not appreciating him. And so he's like, yeah, I'm going to help the surface people build uh, a development on top of the, the former sinkhole. Uh, but you do have to have a celebrity lookalike for this. Can he look like the ah. rock monster? <laughs> That's true. You do have thwomp uh, that you can. No, reference. he was saying no, Houston. No, that was a yes. <laughs> that was a yes. And it, that was my way of saying if another Earth Elemental were to look at him and say, who, what celebrity does he most look like? They would say Chris Pine. Oh, OK. Ah. We, we wouldn't see that, but they would. Great. I love it. I was going to suggest. Halle Bailey, who's playing the uh, mermaid. Um, but Chris Pine's better. Uh, awesome. What was his name again? <laughs> uh, he does have a name. Roughly translated, it'd be Rochefort, but I doubt uh, I doubt anyone would figure out his name. So it's Rochefort. Okay. Well, I'll let you add that Love for it. note-taking purposes. But yeah, for now, he's just... So, oh, I haven't said like sort of his, his, his details. His species is Earth Elemental. His class, he doesn't really have a class. I just decided he's just a monster. Just a monster. But I gave him the background of noble. So class, I kind of kind of put... I had that be a stand-in for his classes. He's a noble. He's not like especially skilled at anything, right? He, he's good at smashing things. He can knock stuff down. He can tunnel through the earth. Um, but he doesn't really have any special skills. So I didn't even he, give him a class. He could just be a very specific... Uh, subclass of barbarian. Yeah, I mean, when that in doubt, it's like a, a barbarian or something. So yeah. he's not especially emotional, though. He's just kind of, you know, yeah. he's just living his life. His name's Rochefort, and his race is Earth Elemental. Great. And he looks like Chris Pine Love it. to other Earth Elementals. Love Let's it. go to Jake's character. All right, so... <clears throat> also brace yourself. I may react to your character in character. <laughs> All right, prepared for it. So my character's name is uh, Jerry... Jerry F. Lamper. And uh, he is a human. <gasps> Rushfort likes that. Rushfort is excited to meet a human. <laughs> he's a human ranger-ish, you could say. You know, he's a ranger. Now nah, he's a, I mean, that's his class. He's a ranger. Okay. Um, but he's, you know, kind of a special ranger. Uh, in that he is a professional um expert when it comes to working with meteors okay and i was trying to come up with the like did we establish that there aren't are there normal meteors in this world i think you can kind of decide this as the meteor expert are there normal coming yes. down meteors or, yes. or all, just the up ones okay cool. yes there are and i will get to how we know that in just one moment um okay. but i do want to make a quick note that as i was like trying to define his profession I was like, yeah, he's like an expert when it comes to working with meteors. Like he's a meteor scientist, I guess, like a yeah. meteorologist. And then I was like, <laughs> wait a minute. Yeah. <laughs> so you could call him a meteorologist, but not necessarily because the Underdark has lightning in it. And you, that's kind of like weather, but because he specifically studies and works with meteors and he knows all about them. Right. Okay. Um, his uh, highest stat is strength. Um, and we, got, his, we got a beefy group here. Yeah. His, yeah. His second highest stat is uh, dexterity. 
Did you know um, someone who studies meteors is called a meteoritis? That sounds. I didn't know. That, that sounds, sounds like, like a, a gum disease that where it's solidifying yeah. into rocks. I thought they would just be called, I don't know, scientists. <laughs> but um, meteoritis, meteoritis. Uh, that's how I thought. But I yeah. I, if you are um, I'm trying to a, a scientist who studies meteors, and you're not a meteorologist. Please, it looks please like the field is meteoritics. So it's like meteor critics. <laughs> So it seems like it would follow like, like criticism, meteor. I think you're right. Meteoritis. You know, I really they, couldn't they get behind the narrative of this meteor. I, three out of five stars. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say they give professional reviews of meteors and they post them on uh, on you know rotten. They they've got a website called Meteor rotten, Review, rotten, rotten radishes. but everyone hears it and thinks it's just media review, and so no one can find it. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes, totally. Okay, but. A little bit more about Jerry F. Lamper. Uh, you look at him, you're like, okay, he's probably like mid forties, maybe. Um, and <laughs> like, just Rushmore doesn't like that, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he sounds okay. like he has his own his own mental process. He's acting outside of your control. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I guess so. He's very judgy too. <laughs> oh, mid forties? No thanks. But and, is uh, human? Um, I don't Great. think I mentioned Rochefort, yeah, Rochefort. I think I established is in his four hundreds, so maybe he thinks you're okay. too young. Yeah, that could be it. Yeah, but uh, when it comes to like, what is his hometown or where is he from? Um, unknown. But <laughs> I mean, he does. He's know, a human, so yeah, he does know why he knows so much about meteors and why he dedicated his life to studying them and understanding them and working with them. Is he Superman uh, yes. from the He's planet of Krypton? Huh? Wait, wait. Hold on. He's a human who crash landed into Earth on a meteor. And nice. Rewinding real quick, because this uh, this world is starting to become so real to me that like I have to like go back and make sure that I remember other things about it correctly. Didn't we decide that that Jed Jed Am right also is from off planet? Yeah, we did. Yes. So similar situation, but in this case, Jerry F. Lamper knows why, and he knows how because he okay. and his family he knows meteors. He and his family, because he knows meteors, because his family arrived in one. And if you were to like describe sort of his vibe and what he looked like, so yeah, he's like kind of got like a, he's uh, you know stocky, like not not necessarily tall, but also not you wouldn't think him short. Like okay. you might describe him as like a gritty, rough neck meteor scientist known to known to never miss his mark, and uh, he's uh, chosen uh, to uh, work with this team to study the sinkhole uh, due to his experience working with meteors. And the reason being that they said, you know, he got a phone call from some people who were kind of monitoring this. Um, actually, it's like an official administration called SMOA, the Shivalo Moonanautics and Overdark Administration. <laughs> and uh, they said, look, you know, this, this is a spelunking job. Like, why are you sending us on a spelunking job? And they essentially told them, the way we see it, it's easier to teach a meteor scientist how to spelunk than to teach a spelunker how to understand meteors. Moon Jordan is very offended by this. And uh, he agreed. And so he uh, took it upon himself. And, you know, 
he's always worked with teams of people like in his off time uh he leads a ragtag team of experts uh meteor scientists who may have questionable pasts however are devoted and extremely loyal to him some like steve buscemi and billy bob thornton you can say that like there's only one person that he has a problem with and that is uh kj floss who's in a relationship with jerry's daughter uh who he named he just named her space and uh, Jerry disapproves of uh, her and thinks that she could do better. You said that with so much contempt. He has a daughter who's just named Space. <laughs> so much contempt for this character. You've made a lot of characters. So he shows up ready for the job and he, he looks at everybody in the eyes and he just kind of nods his head and he says, uh, you know, yippee Kaye, under darker. <laughs> Great. Oh, man. Okay. Oh, he's kind of like Bruce Willis. Oh, oh now that you put it all together. Yeah. Now that yeah. you mentioned it. Okay. Now that you put it all together like that. Like now that I'm just like envisioning him in my head and like, you know, crew cut, like kind of yeah. buff, stocky, not too tall, not too short, like yeah. kind of a gritty roughneck type. Yeah. You could picture him as like Bruce Willis if he was like, you know, uh, put into spelunking gear um, yeah. after spending Does he his do music? life uh, in a lab coat studying meteors. Um, does he do music? Yeah. Um, Yes. Did he play some jazz or whatever? Yeah. He most definitely like Bruno? Does. Okay, I have a confession. I have never seen Armageddon. I don't think Brian's <laughs> no, referencing Armageddon. At this I don't point. remember. Oh. I don't really remember Armageddon either. Dang it, I, I gave that away. I gave that, that away too early. Because the challenge I gave myself was to make a character based on the movie Ar Armageddon with only cultural con contextual clues about what Armageddon is about. Nice. Um, no, I was just refer referencing real person Bruce Willis, who does have an album. Oh, I thought, see, that's my, that's why I, I made that confession now, because I, like, I thought you were making an Armageddon joke, and I was like, dang it, I don't get this, I don't get the joke. Um, his name, it, he calls himself Bruno as his, as his music. Do you think Bruno Mars would be good for this meteor investigation? No, I mean, his not. name, right? Maybe Muno Mars. <laughs> Bruno Moon? Um, Moon here, here's the important thing. Can we make sure that <laughs> Muno from Yo Gabba Gabba? Can we make sure that Aerosmith does the soundtrack for this uh, quest I, for I us? I already thought all of that through, and I couldn't decide between the closure of my character introduction being Yippie Underdarkers, which uh, is hilarious because it's Bruce Willis, but it's also not Armageddon, yeah. Or, yeah. <laughs> or him saying, you know, I'm here because I don't want to close my eyes. I don't want to miss a thing because I'd miss it, baby, and I don't want to miss it. <laughs> Uh, I feel like it's worth pointing out. He said both, one after the other. Yeah, he did. He said both canonically. Yeah, uh, I think it's worth pointing out that you did throw together your character as we were doing sort of sound checks and stuff like that. So it's, yeah, it's very fun. Um, Bruce Willis, not just from Armageddon, but from all over the place. But he also just throws out, you know, quotes from Die Hard. <laughs> I think yeah. it is important to note that Professor Block, his first name is Michael, and he has named the sinkhole that we are exploring Michael's Bay. <laughs> Wait a minute. That's perfect. Oh, man. I love it. Michael's Bay. Michael's Bay. And Ben Affleck is a lot. I do know just that Michael Bay. Okay. <laughs> oh, Great job, guys. Uh, so let's roll. And let me explain how the success rating is going to work this time. Because normally it's we have a success or we have a failure. Um, we're doing a, a scientific exploration. And so how I want to rate our success is we can have our individual moments of what we do so each of us can contribute something to the success of this exploration mission or maybe keeping us away from danger however we want to justify it or explain it um but instead okay. of our normal metrics what i want to do is when we would have a success 
I think what this means is we make an, a useful discovery about the Thunderdark. Like we find something that we can use, whether that okay. is like how to trigger these uh, reverse meteor effects so we can help stabilize the land. Uh, or how do we um, maybe find some sort of a resource that we can pull from it? Or how do we preserve the land to make sure it's safe so people don't come and exploit it? However, are we morally want yeah. to uh, define a success based on our characters? Okay. But it's basically basically the, the role is how much yeah. information. Mixed success is going to be we've learned some things okay. not particularly useful. Like we make it through. Okay. We, we discover a couple things, but it it doesn't have a huge impact on society and our relationships to these to the Thunderdark. A failure is we find okay. a bad discovery. So that's how I kind of wanted to find it. So so I, I, I like the idea of yeah, we'll have those levels for the individual roles and then like we'll we'll do the average like we always do and see some kind of how did this group actually end up? We'll have that be our average. Okay. okay. Uh I, I'll let you know how my character did uh in character. Okay. Oh, positive. Oh, no. Nope. Mixed. Both. Mixed. Um, <laughs> I rolled a nine. So I'm going to say the Rochefort, he got, um, he was very interested in the, the thunder veins. And I think his discovery, he's, he's from this noble background. He's more into the aesthetic of it. And he just, he, what his discovery is that um, you can sort of frame certain areas in a way that, that amplify like, oh, that looks really cool. And that's, that's it. He just kind of discovers how to make things look cool and the whole time. Just a bunch. Just yes, over and over again. Just very excited. And he loves it, but it, no one else is like, okay, yeah, I get it. I guess it's very pretty, but like that's not really helpful for us. But he's like, oh, I think in his mind, you wouldn't know this, but he's like, this is going to be the greatest place to live. Because he's, he's like, we don't even have light in the under thunder dark. <laughs> Great. Uh, Jake, do you want to go next? I'm kind of still thinking because reasons. Um, sure, though. So, actually, no. You, you go. <laughs> okay. Um, I did pretty well. I got a 17. I will not have any theatrics this time. So, <laughs> thanks, Rochefort. Ro Rochefort. Rochefort. That. Sorry, he's not into. He's not into the drama. Um. So how my success as an individual, as Moon Jordan, this, oh, and maybe this will translate into the group success later and what my discovery means. But I do think he finds ample supply of moon dust deposits down here. Like this is nice. maybe there's some sort of magnetism that is drawing moon dust that seeps into the earth to here. But here in the Thunderdark, there is a ton of moon dust. So, you know, he's going to the black market with that. He's um, yeah. he's using how I've used Moon Jordan in previous campaigns or his lay on hands is he really just has uh, like crushed up drugs instead of like laying on hands. He just puts some like some medicine dust on a finger and has someone snort. So it's snort on hands. Um yeah, I think it's it's the same thing. He just gets some restorative moon dust that he uses for himself and for others uh, and knows how to get back to the Thunderdark pretty easily and collect some of it. So that's his positive success. Okay. I think I'm ready. So as they're, you know, kind of spelunking down uh, through this area um, and these various discoveries are happening, you know, the lightning, they discover that there's uh, large amounts of moon deposits here or moon dust deposits and all that. 
he's just very like pensive and kind of like squints his eyes and he looks around and he's like very observant of everything and um he then starts to like notice things and he starts to kind of like process this in his mind and he starts to apply what he knows about how media okay. work right um and he also having studied meteors understands a lot about like the nature of time and overdark um and he kind of like pauses for a second because when he sees these deposits of um moon dust he like has like this flashback moment and he goes that's the flashback uh, and uh he stops and he says everybody listen up and he says now this might be kind of hard for some of you to understand because it's a meteor thing <laughs> and he says now when a meteor hits our planet everyone knows it creates a hole but when you shoot a rock up from underneath the earth it also creates a hole why Whoa. would this meteor shoot out of the ground and have the earth above it close over itself and create fertile land as if the meteor had never fallen in the first place and then he says what's happened here is some sort of slippage or event or mistake i don't know yet i don't know that has reversed the passage of time and a meteor that struck long ago has gone back to where it's come from because time reversed itself it rose back out and the land closed over it and then he like goes over to the wall and he scrapes some of the moon dust and he like looks at it <laughs> and he like licks it and he says i know where this is from i mean everybody knows where it's from he goes <laughs> I, I know why this is so familiar. He says, I used to play with this as a kid. And then everybody looks upward toward the moon and they see a whole bunch of things that look an awful lot like meteors and a whole bunch of beings that look an awful lot like humans. <gasps> and then he, he stops and he looks at everyone. And he says, hey, everybody. I think humans live on the moon. Whoa. <laughs> That is not where I thought you were going to take it. Can I tell you where I thought you were going to take it? Did that even make any sense? I'm really tired. <laughs> yeah, no, no it's great. What was I, mean, your... I think it made as much sense as anything else. What was your roll? That's what I was going to say. That's why I wanted to make sure it made sense. Because I rolled a natural 20, so that's all true. Whatever I did. Ah, yeah, <laughs> you established the canon. That is great. Okay, that's why, that's why I told you I needed a second. Because I was like, <laughs> I should not have this much power yeah. right now. If the outcome is just what we know about the world i just get i just got a free pass <laughs> to determine anything that takes place in this universe okay so so I, I, let me talk yeah. about a few things from from the backstory from like the the, the setup episodes that may be relevant here um I, I i didn't go into it at the start of the episode because i didn't think it would be relevant but now it's relevant um we did establish that that when people die especially warlocks and clerics and that kind of thing when they die there's like souls or whatever go to the moon that does not interfere with the fact that there could be a human colony on the moon that came from somewhere else, which is interesting. Um, another thought is we should figure out which moon this is because maybe it's only this moon. I don't know if all the moons have humans. Right. Um, we can figure that out. And, we've, we also, time? and we've also learned... Uh, I'm fine, but... Do we want to like dig into this? Do we want to like... Uh, like, this could be another world building prompt. Yeah, I we do think unlocked. this is world building prompt for later. I think we do settle up a okay. cliffhanger cool. of where this and And, and before we do that, just to, so, just to establish... We've learned, yes, that 
there can be reversals of time yep. um, happening somehow. Maybe that could be partial cliffhanger. We've also determined that human, there are humans living on the moon. We don't know why or how or for how long. But we also know that they have some sort of technology where humans arrive on the planet by shooting themselves here inside a quote-unquote meteor. Yeah. I do think it is important to know that humans do not exist in Shivalo. We've determined no, yeah, that. Yeah, that's earlier. what we're saying. Yeah, that's, that's, yeah, that's, that's I, exactly why we've I, just, I'm we mostly just covered how Jed exists. I'm mostly just existed. doing this as a reminder for the listener. Because we, oh, yeah, we, yeah. we have a lot of things to keep track of. Um, I just want to make sure that this atomic bomb <laughs> that we've just dropped yeah, I, I is think, a big deal. I think deal. what we have to keep it to is that on the surface of the planet, there aren't tons of humans. Like we, we established that that's very, very rare, right? We've met two so far. But on the moons, moon or moons, um, there could be plenty and we just don't know. We, they're just, we don't know if they came from the moon. Did they come to the moon? Did they come from somewhere else and land on the moon before coming to the planet? I think these are all questions that we can answer in the future. Yeah. Um, I yeah. do like the the existential implications that this creates, that maybe it is only humans on the moon. And we, as the gods of this world, thought it worked that uh, where the <laughs> gods are on the moon. But maybe we are wrong. Maybe our creation is getting away from us. Oh, no. And, and we are in. We, we're powerless to the dice. The dice rolls. Um, I can't wait. But to that could be saved for another time. To this episode when I'm not sleep deprived. <laughs> <laughs> um, can I mention where I thought your explanation was going to go? Yeah. I thought you were going to reveal that you had rolled a natural one and that you were going to uh, present to us that you had been dead all along <laughs> and that you were not helpful. Oh, mission. that would have been so good. <laughs> I mean, I also could have done that with a natural 20. Like, that's just what I learned. And it's true. You know, so yeah. with established ghosts, I guess. But uh, wait. Hold on, hold on. Are humans ghosts? Find out next time. Find out next time on Questopedia. That was up and by. Whew.